Welcome to the Lincoln Way Christian Church Podcast. This live recording is brought to you from our Sunday morning worship service. Don't forget to also check out www.lincolnway.org. And now for this morning's message. How you like it in there, baby? Can you hear me? This is the only way, baby doll. I am better off without you. Finally, peace and quiet. Hey, you got a big mouth, you know that? Adios, senorita. Your mama's a pain in the neck. And your cooking stinks. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, honey? <laughs> you know me and my temper, baby. I didn't mean anything by that, honey. I just kind of snapped for a minute. Uh, Hello? You take a joke, baby? Can we talk about this? We've had a little fight like this before. We can work it out, you know. I love you. You still there, sweetie? You know me and my temper, baby. Hello? There are all kinds of ways to handle conflict. And uh, one is uh, Toby Keith here tries it out by, uh, you know, I'm going to cut off the relationship, and then he ends up barring himself and blocking himself into to a corner. And there are many ways for us to handle conflict. One of the ways is my way or the highway. It's do what I want or I'm out of here. I'm going to build a wall up between us, and that's just the way it's going to be. I will fight until I win. Another way is no way. I will not fight. I will not surrender, but I will not fight. Another way is your way. Some, some of you always give in. You always just give in. You're always the one who says you're sorry first. You're the one who does that time and time again. Another way is halfway. You win some, you lose some, and you, know, you sort of keep a score chart. You know, who won the last one? Who won this one? And, and that's how you handle your conflicts. But there are better ways. One way is our way. Our way says, you know what? The relationship is more important than the resolution of the issue. But there's even a better way. It's God's way. God's ways is the relationship is more important. But it's not just the relationship this way. It's relationship this way. And so this morning I want us to talk about how to handle conflict. Because if you're, if you're a person, if you're a human being and you have breath in you and there's other people in your life, chances are there's conflict in your life. That there's disagreement. That there's um, things going on in you, in your relationships. The last couple of weeks we've talked about unconditional um, love and unconditional respect. We've also talked about the oneness that can possibly happen within a couple as Jacobus um, brought that to us in the first week's and talk about communication. So this week, we're going to get down real practical. Um, we're going to look at this passage in uh, uh, James chapter 4. And uh, James is the most practical book in the New Testament. It's one that just basically says, boom, 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 here it is. And now uh, that's how we're going to go at it. Now, there's going to be a lot of information coming your way. And um, so I want you to um, d- just sort of stay in with me, okay? Okay, because there's a lot, a lot of stuff coming. And uh, Mark, can you get, uh, you and Nicole, can you bring the my board up. That'd be great while, while we continue here. So let's look at James 4, verse 1. James asks a great question here. 
um, James asks this question, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Why, why are you fighting? Why are you quarreling? Why, why are you going through this kind of stuff? Why is that happening in your life? Why is that happening among you? He's, he's talking to Christians here. He's talking, why, why, why is this happening to you? Why does it seem like so many of conversations as, a, as couples, it collapses into an argument? And whenever we entered into the relationship, we didn't sign up for that. But yesterday, uh, we, we did, did, did this wedding yesterday, and here's this young couple coming up here, and they're, they're getting married, and they, you know, there's not going to be any conflict, no quarrels, you know, sort of how they sort of feel about it. And one of the great things, this was the funniest thing happened. I, this is a little extra. Um, uh, never had this happen before in a wedding. Two-year-old ring bearer. He comes down and he's twirling, twirling. He's about halfway there, halfway down the aisle. He's twirling the, the little pillow, you know, like this. He ends up throwing the pillow behind him, and then he falls and lays flat on his back, and he doesn't move. It was great. It was just so funny. I mean, just, 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 he was, he was done. He was just done. He had enough. Anyhow, what causes fighting quarrels among you? You've done that conflict too. Yeah, just give up. Just, just lay back down. But then look what he says. Look, he says, don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. Do you see that there's a battle within before there's a battle without? Do you see that there's a battle on the inside before there's a battle on the outside? So he says that, that the, the, reason isn't what, the reason you're in quarrels and fights isn't because of what's happening around you. It's not on what's happening on the outside of you. It's not the other person. The reason you're having quarrels and fights among you is because there are fights within you. There's a battle within. There is a battle of di- differing desires within. Conflict of desires. How to fulfill those desires. How to, how, how's the best way of, of accomplishing those desires. There's just this battle within. There's the sin nature and there's the, the, the nature of the spirit that, that's within us. And he knows battle. I mean, and there's just battles within. And so before we fight on the outside, we fight, we're fighting on the inside. There's something that's going on inside of our guts and our emotions. That's what he tells us there. He says, you want something, you don't get it, so what do you do? You get into an argument and you kill and you covet. I mean, you just basically go for the jugular you go for, and you go for the destroy. You go for whatever it takes to win the argument. Now see, he says there's the desires that battle within you. The root cause of our conflict is is a sense of selfishness. That's that desire within to win the battle, to win the argument. Something that goes on inside of us. So, so how do we deal with this battle within? How do we deal with the, the arguments on the outside? How, how, do, how do we approach this? What do we do? And so, so, he, so James gives us some insight, and we're going to walk through that together. First of all, is the call on God for help. James 4.2. He continues on. He says, you have not because you ask not. See, when we get into the, the, this battle of the desires that we have, instead of looking at it, how does God want me to fulfill this desire? Instead of looking at it, how he would have us do it, what we do is we don't go to him and ask him for help. We don't go to him. Rather, we go to ourselves and we go into an argument mode. Our desires of our hearts will not be met in any one person. There's no one person who can meet all your desires that you have. You know that? 
One, he, he can't fulfill everything in you. She can't fulfill everything that you need. Because you need God. You need to go to Him. You can vent to God. Have you ever read the Psalms? Psalms, particularly 1 through 30. You know what they are? They're a gripe session. David tells God, How long? Where are you? What happened here? And basically at the end of every one of them, he says, yet I will trust you. So you can take your, your, these desires, these things that you're having, this conflict within, and you can take it to them. But see, what happens so much of the time is we try to fulfill our own desires in our own way according to our own agenda. And so Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, one of my verses that I just love, and I've, I've brought it up to you before, but I bring it up to you again. It says, my people have committed two sins. My people have committed two sins, it says Jeremiah 2.13. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. What happens is, instead of going to God, the spring of living water for our needs and our desires and, and, and our wants, instead of going to Him, what we do is that we go and we dig our own cisterns, our own wells, where we think we're going to get fulfillment there. And one of the ways that we think we're going to get fulfillment is through winning an argument. Winning the conflict, winning the battle, forcing our way. And so we go into war battle with each other. So first of all, call on God for help. Secondly, commit yourself to God's solution. Again, this battle is within. We've got to commit ourselves to God's solution. Submit to God in all things. His solutions are different from ours. His solutions are grander than yours or mine. His solutions are better than ours are. And so what we need to do is have a God-first mentality. A God-first mentality. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Submit yourselves then to God. It's actually surrendering yourself to God and to His will. It is saying, you know what? In this situation, in my life, it's absolute surrender of saying, God, you're in control. I'm going to place this before you. I'm going to do it your way, your solution. Instead of doing it the world's way. That says, look out for number one. How many of you saw the billboard that was put up um, by the law office in uh, Chicago with the bare-chested guy, the well-built lady, and it said something along this lines, um, life short, life short, so divorce. Let me see that. That's the world's way, isn't it? I mean, you, you saw it. It says, hey, 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 you're missing out. Your life would be better. Trade him in. You can have six-pack abs. Not another six-pack of bud, but a six-pack. Um, I mean, I mean that, that's the attitude that our culture has. Trade him in. Trade up. Trade over. Trade Okay? Or are we going to do things according to God's will and God's way? To love one another, to care for one another, to encourage one another. Here's where the decision is. I really believe this is probably the most important point that I'm going to say today is this. It's commit yourself to God's solution in absolute surrender. There's nothing else more important than this is to commit yourself 
to God's solution in absolute surrender. Commit your life to God in absolute surrender. Now, some of you, some of you, some of you, some of you, some of you are right now in a tempting place. You're trying to choose between doing God's will and the devil's will or your own will. Right now, you're in the midst of it. You know what the, the right decision is. You, 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 you know what God's solution would be. But you feel boxed in. You feel caged in. You feel like there is no good solution except your own solution or the devil's solution. And when you look at God's word, you know what the right solution is. And yet, 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 you don't see life in that solution. I promise you, there is more life in God's solution than in the devil's solution. There's more life in God's solution than in your solution. Absolute surrender. And then let the chips fall where they may after that. Let the chips fall where they may. Third thing I want to talk to you about is confess my part of the conflict. Oh, wait, 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 I'm sorry. That's, yeah, I forgot. Our family is second. God's first, our family is second. Deuteronomy chapter 5, um, you're just going to have to go back a couple of slides. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 5 says, If a man recently married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. For one year, he is to be free to stay at home and bring happiness to the wife he is married. It's the priority of family here. The priority of family. Don't go off, don't send him off to war in that first... first uh, first year. David, when you're in battle with the Philistines and one of your guys get married, you can't put them in, into war. David, you have to hold them back. Hold them back. Because it's a priority of family. And you and I need to make that choice in our lives. Okay, let's get confess my part of the conflict. Let's go there. James chapter 4, verse 8. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, James doesn't really mess around here, does he? He just sort of just goes, hey, Understand that you have a part to play in this conflict, that you have some sin on your hands, that you have some stuff there. So there's a couple things we need to confess. First of all, confess your limitations. Some, some issues will not be resolved. Some issues you will not come to harmony and, and resolution on. It doesn't mean that the relationship has to be broken. It just means that you just got to understand that there are sometimes some, some limitations to the re- resolution of a problem. Because you look at things from a completely different way. The second thing is you need to confess your own sinfulness. Don't assume that your problem is the other person. If I only got a different person, then my problem would be solved. No, because why? James has already answered that. Because the quarrel and fighting comes from where? The desires of battle within, not the things that happen without. It's on the inside. It's not on the outside. So it's not about the people around you. It's about the person in you. Okay? So you need to confess your own sinfulness, your, your own pride, your own revenge, your own selfishness. Okay? And then confess your emotions. What's actually happening? What are you feeling? Now, whenever there's, 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 a, there's a discussion that happens, you know, whenever you're going into, um, to, to, you know, to a moment, there's three things that you got. You got the topic. All right? Now, sometimes we just sort of stay there on the topic. This is what we disagree about, a, you know, 
I want A, you want B. That's, that's, that's what happens. We focus on the, the, on the topic. The topic, and if you stay there, usually what, that, what determines that, who wins, is whoever is the best debater. Okay, whoever's the most skilled debater who thinks the fastest, that's that who usually win it. But there's this other part, is the emotions. There's the emotions that happen. All right? Do you ever, do you ever have emotions whenever you get into a, a, a conflict? Is there emotions? What are some of those emotions? You've got to be able to confess those emotions. Sometimes those emotions, us guys, will say, you'll say, well, my emotion's anger. But really, it might be hurt. But see, guys, we can't say we're hurt. That'd be wimpy. Right? Baby. Right? That's what we would do. I think we need to be honest with what we're actually feeling. Say, you know what? This is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling hurt. Or I'm feeling angry. Or you know what? I'm feeling disappointed. Confess that. But there's a third thing that needs to be understood, and, and we'll look at that a little bit, is it, it's what I call the impact. The impact of the topic, or the impact of the what happened. How it affected that other person. How it affected you. What exactly, when that, when that event happened, whenever you did that to me, you said that to me, this is what I felt, this is what it did to me, and, and, and the impact is, I, I'm not sure I can trust you. Okay? I think, I think we need to, need to be able to say and confess those truths in, within the conflict, within that relationship. See, Ephesians 4.26, it says this, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. We need to be able to say, hey, guess what? I'm angry, but it doesn't mean I have to sin in my anger. Okay? Now, number four is this. Convene a peace conference. And this is probably the... No, this, this, what I'm going to talk about here is difficult. This is not easy to do. Okay? I, I'm learning about this. I am on, uh, I'm on the road to recovery like the rest of us, you know? I'm trying to, to, to work this, this thing out, okay? In Matthew chapter 5, this is what Jesus says when you have a disagreement with someone. It says, if you remember someone has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go at Go at once to make peace. Then come back and offer your gift to God. So how do I do that? What are some rules of the peace conference? What are some things that we, you and I can take in and take with us into the, to the uh, peace conference? Number one, knock on the door statement. Make a knock on the door. Can I talk with you? I mean, this is about timing. See, this is about, it's about, about um, giving the other person a choice. Can I talk with you? Because sometimes it's not the most convenient time. You're five minutes away from church, and you're ready to bring up the big issue. And then you wonder why you come to church all frazzled. Um, um, that may not be the best time to bring up the issue, all right? It may not be the time whenever the person has the energy. So, but can I talk with you? Now, you need to get a, a win if they say not now, all right? Because some of you people would just say, no, can't talk with you. And they ask you the next day, and oh, nah, not really, not, today's not a good day either. You never get to talk. Okay, you never get the resolution. It never happens, all right? Okay. Say something about your intent. Say something about why you want to talk to them. And this is honesty without trying to wound. See, see there's a different thing. Sometimes whenever we have a discussion, you, you know, and, and you have to say something tough to somebody, you're going to hurt them, but the the the... the the intent is not to harm. There's a difference between hurting somebody and harming them. The doctor hurt me when he cut into my throat. 
okay? But he didn't do it to harm me, but rather to help me, okay? All right? So in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And then one of the things that you need to assess in yourself, if you're going to become this kind of truth speaker, speaks the truth out, you need to assess how easily you're offended. How easily are you offended? You want these people that, you know, your skin is so thin that, you know, you see how that person looked at me? No, I didn't see how that person looked at me. But you know, you know how I looked at me. They looked at me that way. You know, if it... If it just grow up. <laughs> Was that not nice? Borderline? Okay. All right. Now... What about if you're, you're the speaker, you're the one who wants to have the discussion, you're the one who wants to come, and, and so what, what's your role? Your role is to give understanding, not to make a case. Your role is to give, an, give understanding, not to make a case. James tells us in 4.11, he says, Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it but sitting in judgment on Whenever you're going into there, it's not about you making a case. It's not about you slandering the person and winning, you know, trying to win the argument. But rather what it is, is about you simply telling them and helping them understand. It's not getting historical. Anybody here get historical in their arguments? You know what I mean by historical. Not hysterical, historical. Historical means you go back. Remember 2004? Oh, remember 1994. Remember 1964. Remember 1950 when you. That's getting historical, okay? Don't go there, okay? In the heat of the discussion, we have a tendency to judge. You always, you never, and then you crucify and you bury the person, okay? The speaker needs to use words like I, we, us, and our. I, we, us, and our, not you, 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 you. Okay, avoid the you. Avoid you always and you never, okay? Just say, when, one of the things we teach people in our premarital counseling is this. When you don't put the gas in the car, I feel unloved, and I run out of gas, because I certainly am not going to do it. I mean, the result is, okay? Okay. I mean, but you simply, you say, you say, this, you say, say this is what happens. You simply speak what happened, how, you feel, how it affects you, what impact, what impact you're telling them what the emotion is, and you're telling them what the impact. The topic, you're saying what, what happens. Then you're saying, the emotion, this is what I'm feeling, and the impact on me is this, okay? That's what you're doing. You're trying to grant, give them understanding so that they can understand what's going on. Now, the role of the listener is what? Listen to understand. Listen to understand. Proverbs 18, 13 says, He who all answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame, okay? So don't get defensive. Don't be going in there. You're not, you're not trying to defend. You're just trying to understand. Okay? A lot of times we don't communicate real well because we don't understand, and um, you know, we, so we need to get better information. There's a story I, I like about a couple that are driving down the road, and uh, she sees a sign that says, Dairy Queen, two miles ahead. And so she asks, would you like to stop for an ice cream? And he says, well, no. And he passes up the exit. Next thing he knows, she's mad at him. He doesn't know why. 
So he asked, why are you mad at me? Nothing. <laughs> why are you mad at me? Well, I asked you to stop for ice cream, and you didn't. And he says, no, you didn't ask to stop for ice cream. You asked if I wanted ice cream, and I didn't want ice cream. Now, ladies, this is extra. This is extra. <laughs> Men do not have a clue. Okay? You have friends in which you are able to talk with, lady friends, and they are able to finish your sentences. They know what you're thinking. You don't even have to say words. They just know. They can read your mind. Men can't. You may want him to. You may dream that he would. And if he lo- and you're thinking to yourself, well, if he loved me, he would understand. No, you're asking, it is like asking him to play basketball against Michael Jordan and beating. Okay? It's not going to happen. Not in this lifetime. It's not going to happen. Okay? It's just not. Okay? The other thing is, hints rarely, if ever, work. If you want ice cream, ask for ice cream. Just ask. If he would have said, if she would have said, hey, there's a Dairy Queen two miles up the road. Can we get some ice cream? Then you know clearly, yes or no. I would like some ice cream. Can we have some, please? Clear communication. We're not that smart, okay? All right? That was extra just for you, okay? Just trying to help. Just trying to help, okay? Here's a passage of scripture that I wish I could got better in my life. It comes from James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. It says, Dear, my dear brothers, and as a listener, I wish I did this better. Take, no, take note of this. In other words, he's pointing to it and saying, take note of this. Don't miss this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Be quick to listen. That's your part. Slow to speak as a listener. And slow to become angry. I wish I was better at this. Because I know that, that my anger, my quick talk, does not bring about the righteous life that God desires for me. I, I want us all to be able to do this better. Because it will bring about the, the righteous life that God desires for us. And so you value the speaker. You give them the undivided attention. You give them consideration and respect. And then you value, validate them and by saying this. Is this what you are saying? Ask them so that you repeat back to them. Are you saying that I am a jerk because I did this and it hurt your feelings this way and the result is this? Okay? Make sure that you get it before you get into anything defensive about it. Make sure you understand it first to understand and then you can move on. Now here... Sometimes you need to call on a professional. There's no shame in calling a professional. You know, whenever my discs were messed up and there was some bone spurs in my neck, I called a professional to come and do that work. Right? I didn't call in Paul Kakaro, who works in the machine shop. He's good with tools and say, Hey, Paul, how about a little neck surgery? Doing anything Saturday? I didn't do that. Why? 
I wanted someone who knew what they were doing. I wanted a professional. Right now, I didn't call, call Jerry and Jerry, you're good with meat. You know how to slice some stuff up. Hey, do some chopping. I didn't do that. And it's the same, you know, whenever your mind gets all, and sometimes a relationship gets all mucky and goofy, and sometimes you have to call a professional. You know what? I've had to call a professional. All right? Deal with you people? You know, think about it. All right? I have a friend, a guy I go to, his name is Steve. He helps me out. All right? As a matter of fact, he should give me a little bit of money back because the number of people I send his way. All right? All right? It's important. See, I can't fix my mind sometimes because I get it all scrambled. I can't fix my heart sometimes because it gets all screwed up. And I need people in my small group, and I need to sometimes call in a professional come in and help me out. All right? There's no shame in that. All right? No shame. You wouldn't be here if you didn't think you needed some help in life. Right? If you thought you had all the answers, you wouldn't be in church. Be out there in the golf course. Out there fishing, doing something important. You know? Okay. Well, some of you, I want to talk to you about, some of you don't like to go into the tunnel of chaos. And so you don't speak the truth. Because you're afraid to go there. But if you're going to have a really authentic relationship, you're going to have to walk into the tunnel of chaos and be honest with your loved one. And say, you know what? This, when you do this, when when this happens, this is what I feel. And the result is this. You're going to have to go there. And it doesn't mean they're going to respond like this. I know some of you are here and you're going, well, my partner's near, my husband's not here, my wife's not here. And says, you know what? You're not responsible for them. You're responsible for yourself. You're responsible to them. You're not responsible for them. Okay? All right. I'm going. Okay, lastly. Concentrate on reconciliation, not resolution. Reconciliation and resolution is different. Reconciliation reestablishes the relationship. The primary thing needs to be the reestablishment of the relationship. Resolution says that we're going to resolve all the problems. All that's going to be worked out nice and neat packaged. That's probably um, fantasy land, first of all. But it's probably not going to happen. See, see... When Jesus came to die on the cross to reconcile us with the Heavenly Father, did he solve all the problems? I mean, where I, there's, I mean whenever, and when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and he, you accepted that reconciliation, did you stop sinning? Did you stop messing up? Did every problem in your life simply vanish away? No. Because he was dealing with reconciliation. Not resolution. Resolutions comes after. As you continue to resolve and continue in absolute obedience to Jesus Christ, then the resolution of the, of the issues become and dealt with. And then we go to be with Jesus in heaven. And then all things are taken care of. James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that comes from the Heavenly Father is first of all pure and then peace-loving, considered, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. And so we work on the reconciliation of the relationship. 
Reconciliation requires humility. James 4.10, you humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. And a humble person will be humble before God and receive God's lifting up and carrying him through. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Isn't it the battle that that battles within you, the desires within you that battle within? Where is that taken care of? Where do you begin to get some resolution in that? Where do you get reconciled there? It's at the cross of Jesus Christ. Because see, Jesus came to this world not avoiding the conflict, but entered our conflict in order to resolve and to restore and to reconcile our relationship with the Father. 